How is it that within the church we see, and I see personally in my own life, and I'm sure it's probably the case here because it's the case everywhere else. Why is it that so many of us pursue other things other than God probably more often than we pursue God? I want you to ask yourself real quick, like, is that me? What do I spend all my time on? Am I pursuing idols? Am I pursuing stuff? Am I pursuing a raise, a bigger house, a nicer car, a whatever more than God? Because if discipleship's taking place, that's probably not going to be the case. But we see it in our own lives, and we see it in all the churches. Why is it that if discipleship is really what we're pursuing and what we're, we're really trying to do, and it's important, why is it that we, in the church, tend to do our best to justify our own sin by any means? That's tough. But we do it. Now, now, we can understand that the world is crazy and people are going to do things and, and, and sin is not looked at like sin used to be looked at. But guys, we're seeing that in the building. Am I right? I think if we're honest, we, like, we put our head down and we say, yeah. Well, if we're growing and discipleship is our focus and we're growing, why is that? Why is that? I think I have the answer. You see, we're putting things ahead of each other, we're putting the cart before the horse. You see, here's something, and this is a true statement. An unbeliever cannot be discipled. A person who is lost and does not know the Lord cannot grow in the Lord. And my fear is that a lot of times we'll come in and we'll do church. We'll come up in here every week. We'll be here on Wednesdays. We'll do this. We'll do that. And sadly, maybe we can't grow because we skipped step number one. Now, you know, that might not be what you want to hear today. That's what we're going to talk about. Unbelievers can't be discipled. You couldn't become an infant unless you were born, right? That's pretty simple. Like, we got, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, you really dropped some truth on us. But it's the same spiritually. You can't become a spiritual infant and certainly not a child or a young adult. If you're not born. So what I want us to do today is just look at some scripture and, and just see what it says. 
Has anybody got their Bibles? If you got your Bibles, hold that thing up. I'm glad to see some Bibles. Do y'all like to use your Bibles? Yeah, yeah. You're in church. You better say yeah. yeah everybody's going to look at you weird if you don't, don't, don't say yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. It's good to see Bibles. It's good to see Bibles. Um, I want to start out with a little bit of uh, passage from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, we've heard the Sermon on the Mount. I personally believe it is the greatest sermon ever preached, not just because Jesus did it, which certainly helps because he had a better understanding of it than anyone, but I, I truly believe that whatever you're going through in life, the Sermon on the Mount has the answer for it. Now, we might not like it. We might say, that's tough. I don't know about that. But I feel pretty certain whatever you're struggling with can be answered from this Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, it says he's sitting down with the disciples, the ones that, that followed him. And, he, and, and by this time, he had a great following. So he sits everybody down. He climbs up on the hill on the mount, and he starts just laying it out. Starts out with the Beatitudes, and he goes through, and I wish I had time, which I certainly don't, to just go through, and he starts hitting this and this and this and this. And it's all things that we deal with. It's all things that we struggle with. Um, but he gives all instruction about everything in that Sermon on the Mount. But I want to fast forward to one portion on the Sermon on the Mount, and then we're going to go around a little bit, and then we're going to land back on the Sermon on the Mount. Because as, as you guys know, anybody who's been in church at all, what happens at the end of the sermon? That's, that's when the person that, that's given it really tries to bring it home, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? That, like, right now, like, okay, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. And then he goes, don't miss this. Right? Is that not the way that it goes? Sermons build. They build. So we're getting near the end. Not of mine, but of, of Christ. Um, but in, in chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus says this. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for, wi for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Listen to this. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and hold up, hold up, hold up, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The narrow gate. The broad way leads to destruction. And a lot of people want to go. He's talking about going to, to him, to heaven. People think there's this broad way that you can get in to heaven and that you can know Christ. And, there's, and let me tell you, the, the way keeps expanding. You know, there, there's a lot of people with certain sin choices back in the day. They were like, no, no, you are missing it. There's, there's no way that that leads to heaven. And now we're like, well, maybe it does. I don't want to offend anybody. So, yeah, yeah, you're waking can get you there. But Christ himself says, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many go in it. And he says, narrow is the way. Narrow is the gate, and few find it. Has anybody ever been called narrow-minded because you called sin, sin? 
We know the world that we live in. And let me tell you, if you call something sin, and it really is sin, people are going to say, you're narrow-minded. You're a bigot. You got problems. That's hate speech. It's too narrow. Jesus said, narrow is the gate. And few find it. Church, for too long, we've been trying to stretch that gate to make people feel better. Where Jesus, he didn't try to make anybody feel better. He said, look, look, I offer all these things, and I am who I am, but narrow is the gate. You want to see him one day? He says it's going to be difficult. Let me ask you, how difficult are the things that you do and go through? That's something for you to chew on. How difficult is it? You see, when we're talking about getting into, into heaven and, and seeing Jesus, Paul tells us in, in Philippians, we're, we're going to be all over the place, so if you take notes, it would probably be a good idea to maybe just jot some scripture down if you want to come back to some of this, because I, I, I'm going all over the place. Um, so jot it down if you want to flip, you can, but like I said, just, just a little forewarning, we're, we're going everywhere. But we're talking about narrow is the gate and, and getting to meet Jesus. Uh, Philippians 2.12, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Listen to what Paul says. He says, work out your own salvation. And, and some translations in, in yours, it may say sanctification, which I have no problem with either one of them. I think they're both right. Salvation or sanctification. Work it out with fear and trembling. With fear. Fear and trembling. What he's saying is, look, difficult is the way. If my salvation and my sanctification, me getting to look more like Christ and growing more like him, if that's been easy, I might want to pump the brakes and ask myself some tough questions. Paul says, work it out with fear. Fear and trembling. Really look at how, how do I know that I'm a believer? How do I know that my discipleship process has began? Am I in Scripture enough that it would tell me? Do I know? And, and really give it what it needs. Fear and trembling. It's just eternity, guys. You know, one thing I really like about God, He doesn't tell us easy stuff, but He makes everything so simple. Normally, God says you can do it this way or this way. There's a gate that leads to me. You've got a narrow one and a broad one. Take your pick. God is always, it's here or here. He makes it simple. And for, for, for us guys, I know guys are real simple, right, ladies? Guys are real simple-minded. 
I love that, that God makes it that simple. It's here or here. But Paul tells us to work that out with fear and trembling. Is there any way we could know how we are with God? Is there any way, is there any test that we could take that would lead us to believe, yeah, I'm good, or no, I'm not? Because we're talking about faith right here, and you can't see that stuff. You can't go buy it at Walmart. We're talking about faith. You can't just go get more. Right? It's not, it's not, it's not concrete. It's not, you can't put your hand on it. So is there a way? Well, yes, there is. Scripture tells us, and we're going to look at a few things that, that hopefully, so far, you're like, well, maybe I need to take this serious. And maybe I do need to go at this with fear and trembling. Well, Scripture gives us a few things. First John chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Now by this we know that we know him. Yay! God's giving us something simple. He's saying, hey, you're going at this with fear and trembling. You want to know. You want to know where you stand. You know that you're not going to be able to advance in any kind of discipleship, and you know that you're not going to be able to see Jesus one day, and heaven is a long, long, long way away, and you don't know if you're going to see it. But John here, he says, now this is a way to know if you know him. Like, that's great. That's good news. That's good news. Verse 3 says, Now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. How you doing with that, church? Are you keeping his commandments? Anybody keeping all of them? Either y'all aren't paying attention or that's a no. You say, Tommy, no. No, we, we, we can't keep all of them. Well, we'll get to that. We know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, which is probably everybody in here. We say, yeah, I, I know him. I know him. I'm here at church. Why would I be here if I did not? And does not keep his commandments... The Bible says is a liar. The Bible right now is saying that if you say you know him and you don't keep his commandments, Scripture is calling you a liar. I don't know where you're all from. I'm from Campobello. In Campobello, you get called a liar, that's fighting words. You know what I'm saying? Like that you, you can call me a lot of, lot of things. You, you, you can make jokes. You, can do, you call me a liar? You, me? You call me a liar? That's what Scripture just said, and I think it can get away with it. And it says, And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word, focus on the word word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him, him being Christ, ought himself to walk as he walked. How you walk in church. If I was with you every day, all day, for a year, what would I say about your walk? Now, we don't like to talk about this, and we certainly don't like our preacher to preach on it, because if we're honest and we do an honest assessment, 
Normally our head goes from A... Right? Right? By this that we know that we know Him. If we keep His commandments. But whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in Him. His word... Whoever keeps his word. Okay, so now we're doing the test, right? Let's, let's keep in mind we're doing the test. Do I know him? Have I taken that first step of discipleship? Do I know him? You've got to keep his commandments, and you've got to keep his word. Where do you find his word? Somebody. It's easy. In the Bible. In the Bible, that thing that we held up. That's where we find his word at, right? So if, if, if keeping his commandments and keeping his word is found in the word of God, the Bible, <clears throat> logic would lead us to believe that, that if we're his and we know him, we abide in him, we're in his word, right? Church. How many times you get in your Bible this week? Well, Tommy, I really meant to, and, and I tried to, and I've got that little app that'll send me a little verse every day, and, and I read it three out of four times. You know, I, sometimes, sometimes I, I will actually give 30 seconds thought throughout a day to the Word of God. But I know Him. I know Him, Tommy. Listen, I go to church, I know Him. I said a prayer, Tommy. I know Him. But, I can't find time to get in His Word. I try not to sin, Tommy, but it's impossible. Yeah, I know, and, and Scripture talks about it. I know it's impossible. But how quick are you to just say, well, you know, I messed up. Jesus is good. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, right? Everybody can raise their hand. Jesus loves me, regardless of what I do. No. See, all across culture now, like everybody's a Christian now. Everybody's a Christian. Kids, y'all know Kanye got a, a Sunday service, right? Y'all know that, right? Kanye's good. I read something the other day, Nicki Minaj, we know her, right? You know, she's a born-again Christian, praise God. You know what I'm saying? You know, do they make you think of someone that keeps my commandments and keeps my word. That sounds like a broad gate kind of thing right there, doesn't it? That sounds like some broad stuff. Everybody, everybody knows him. We live in the South. Uh, at, at my church, we do a food pantry once a month. And they come in and, and, and we talk to them about their faith and, and salvation and everything. And it's amazing how many drunk people come in that know him. You know what I'm saying? Everybody knows him. Everybody in here says, I know him. I know him. I know him. Tommy, I know him. But Scripture says if you don't keep his commandments and you don't keep his word, you don't get in his word to learn his word, Scripture says you're a liar. Whoa, Tommy, I didn't come for all that. No, I don't care. That's what Scripture says. And we've got to get to the point, church, that we start looking at Scripture as being God's Word. 
I, I, I didn't come up here to be the crazy guy with all the hair and everything that, that, that just says you're bad. I come up here to be the guy that maybe would say Scripture exactly how God meant for it to be said in such a way that it would bring about life change in your heart. Because the last thing that I want is for you to say, I know him. I think I know him. I don't really fear and tremble over it, but I think I know him and be wrong. Because if you're going to be wrong, you might as well go out and send it up. Right? And there's no point in coming in here and trying and trying and trying. You can't try your way to heaven. Narrow or broad, choice is yours. They're both right here. The broad one is the one that everybody's going to. The narrow is like the back door. That you only see a few people going over there. They're the crazy Christians, and they're going over there. One. By this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. If we walk as he walked. Let's go on and um, let's just skip over that for time's sake. We only got two steps at my church. I might go down, guys. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and skip to verse 9. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother, is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going. Why? Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So, Number one, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments and if we're in his word and, and we keep his word. And number two, how do you deal with your brothers and your sisters, your neighbor? You see, if we know Christ and Christ is in us and, and, and we're in the process of discipleship, some stuff's going to happen. We're going to treat people different than other people treat people. There's a problem here at New Life Baptist Fellowship. Everybody's going to come around. And they're going to be the first one to say, what can I do to help? Now, we all know people, and, and maybe you're in here, and if, and if you're in here, you check your heart. You ever met anybody that says, I just don't like people? <laughs> We're probably all guilty of that to some degree. And we can say it in jest. Because it's okay for people to annoy you. But the believer still has an uncommon love for people. That is a product of knowing Him. How do we know that? I just read it. God said it. He said, John, tell them this. Do you love your brother? Let's just keep it easy. Do you love the people in here? 
Sometimes there's more fighting and strife in church than there is anywhere else. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that said, Tommy, you know, I tried that church thing for a while, but my goodness, all the stuff that goes on at church. Anybody been there? Anybody been a part of that church? Let me say this. The churches that go through that, we've got some people that are claiming to know him, but if Jesus would call them a liar. And they're causing problems. They're not showing love. Now, you can disagree. You can certainly disagree and be okay with it. But if you come from, from hate, and, and, and that your disagreements are not just bathed in love and pursuing God's will, you might want to check yourself. Golly, this is heavy. This is heavy. Do we have air in here? I mean, goodness, dude, not just for me, but maybe for somebody else. Because this is heavy. By this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments, if we keep his word, if we walk as he walked, if we love our brother. Because if we say that we know him and we don't love our brother, we are in darkness still, church. You are still in darkness. Examine your heart. Do you love your brother? It's heavy. It's heavy. Good news, guys. Good news. Second Corinthians 5.17 tells us this. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, which is what we're examining here, we're taking that test, we're looking, it says he is a new creation. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all, all, Things have become new. Praise God. You could be the biggest hater out there and not give that much about God's word. But if you know him and there's something happens and, and you are born again and you know him, praise God. He says, I will make you a new creation. You will be new. Okay, so here I want to caution you guys. If there was a time, maybe it was at Bible school, maybe it was last week, maybe it was when you were a kid, I don't know, maybe it was when you were 58. And a preacher, you were at this thing, and man, this preacher had it going on. He, he just really captivated you. He did a great job. He did a lot better than I could ever do. And, and you felt emotions, and all this stuff was going on, and you're like, oh, man. And he says, I'm going to tell you the easiest thing in the world you can do. The easiest thing you can come down is come right down here and you just give your heart to Christ. Give your heart to Christ. Come down here. It'll be easy. And you can walk away knowing that you're born again and saved. And you just, oh, that's what I want. Hell, no thanks. I'll take heaven. I will take heaven. I want to come. I want that. And I'm, and I'm coming down, and, and I come, and I don't know what it means to be saved. I don't know what, what God says about it. But he says, if I'll just come down here and say, blah, 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 that I'm saved, and you did it. But there's been no change, church. Ever since then, you're still the same person, the same struggles. You don't love your brother more. You don't care about the commandments. Let me tell you something. Scripture says you are a liar. The truth is not in you. That's heavy, guys. I know it. <coughs> but I don't want you putting your faith in the wrong thing. You can't get to heaven by saying some words. There's no secret words. 
Walk in that aisle. I walked the aisle. Well, praise God, I walked to church. I walked and got my mail. Walking don't do it. Words don't do it. Tell me what does it. God does it. God does it. And if God does something, praise God, we're going to know God did something. We're not going to be there. We're like, well, I hope, I hope. There was a time in my life when I hoped, and I was wrong. I was a liar, and I did not know him. If you're sitting there tonight, and you're like, well, I hope. Man, I hope. God can give assurance. And part of it is because he has come in, and he has flipped me upside down, shook me out, wrung me out, and he has made me new. Are you new, church? Are you new? Behold, I will make you a new creation. I'm about to get into something. This is, yeah, y'all want to come back to this. You, if you ain't paying attention to me now, just come back to this later. Listen to this. Well, how do I know that God will do this? How do I know that God does all the work? How do I know that I can't, you know, what's my part? What's his part? Listen to this. This comes from Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. What you have here is God, through Ezekiel, the prophet's talking to Israel. And in, in his promises that he's making for Israel, the physical people and the land and everything, it foreshadows a promise that he makes for his believers after Christ comes. And he's talking about it. Listen to this. Verse 25, he says, Then I will sprinkle, this is God, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you from all that meaningless stuff that you pursue. I will cleanse you from it. This is God making a very powerful statement saying, I will. When God says, I will, we need to perk up a little bit. So, okay, God, you, you saying you will? Oh, God's going to do it. I ain't got to worry about it. It's real. God said, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. We're talking about from sin here. And I will cleanse you from your filthiness. Has anybody ever felt filthy in their sin? I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols. Guys, we struggle with idols, every one of us in here. I preached on this just a few weeks back. Guys, idols have infiltrated our lives. Listen, guys, your phone could be an idol. Your Facebook could be an idol. Anything that you're putting before God and you're spending more time on it, your wife could be your idol. Listen, parents, your kids could be your idol. Anything that we put above God could be our idol, and God says that he will cleanse us from that. Check your life, church. Do you have idols? The answer is yes. Are you being cleansed by it? Well, God hadn't told me I had a problem with it. Listen, church. Listen to what Scripture's saying. I will sprinkle and make you clean. Listen to this, verse 26. I will give you a new heart. Does that sound familiar? God says, I will give you a new heart. And I'll put a new spirit within you. If you've got a new spirit, are you going to deal with your brother different? 
Certainly, you've got a new spirit in you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to change your heart. The things that you know that you used to not care about now for some crazy reason, God makes you care about. I've been to Nicaragua three times. You know how much I cared about the people of Nicaragua before I became a believer? I didn't even know Nicaragua was there. But man, I... What about the, the people that struggle around us all the day? Homeless people. What about the different ministries? What about your lost sister? Your lost father? Your lost cousin? Do you care? See, because God says, if you're mine, I will give you a new heart. I will take that stony heart that's not affected by anything. You take a stone and just smack it. You throw it against the wall. You do what? And what is, what is the stone going to do? Nothing. Because it's just stone. But now a heart of flesh, you poke that thing, it's going to feel something. It can be stimulated by things. A stony heart can't. A stony heart cares about number one, me, myself, and I. That's it. But when God gives us a new heart, we care about stuff. It's almost miraculous how it happens. It's just what I never cared, but now I do. What do you care about, church? Because God says he will give you a new heart. If you don't feel like you got a new heart, you need to go, I may not know him. Give you a new heart, heart of flesh. Listen to this, I will put my, God's saying, I will put my spirit in you. Praise God, because my spirit is jacked up. Now, he's given me a new one, but praise God, I got his in there too. Do you? Do you feel the presence of God in you? I'll put my spirit within you, and because of that, I'm going to cause you to walk in my statutes. Go back to First John. He says, those that keep my commandments walk as I walked. Here, come here. It's the same idea. I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You're looking like God. You're doing things. You're loving people like God does. That's evidence that the discipleship process has started. That's evidence of being born again. Do you have that? And you will keep my judgments. You're going to walk in my statutes. You're going to keep my judgments. And listen to this. And you're going to do them. You're going to do them. Doesn't say you're going to consider them, think about them, have good intentions about doing them. It says, and you will do them. This is God making just strong statements. He's saying, I will do this. I will put my spirit and do this. And because of this, you're going to walk in my statutes. And because of this, you will keep my judgments. What is keep my judgments? It's saying sin is sin. Guys, if the Bible says it's wrong, praise God, let's agree with him. Well, that might hurt their feelings. And you know what? I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't. 
But God says this is wrong. And I'm going to keep his judgments. He says it's wrong. I love you and I want the best for you. But what God's saying is wrong is wrong. And we as a church have to agree with that. We have to. It's evidence that he is in us. Do you have that evidence in your life? And you will do them. Skip on down to verse 29. He says, I will, deli- I will deliver you from your uncleanness. Well, Tommy, now I struggle with sin. I, I, I honestly believe that we all have that one sin that, man, it's a kicker, man. We can't shake that thing. It hangs with us. Man, I can kick it away. I can do good. And next week, here I am having to ask God for forgiveness again. I think that everybody has that. Well, Tommy, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? He says that I will make you, or I will deliver you from uncleanness. Here's the way this works, guys. He's talking about you keep my commandments. By this you know. We have a heart inclined to sin. Why? Because we were born wicked. When sin entered into the world, we were born into it. We are sons of Adam, and because of that, sin is what we are naturally drawn to. We're naturally selfish. You know, these people who say, well, I think people are just generally good. Maybe it's their environment. No, all people are bad. All people are bad. I'm not going to go where my mind just went. Um, All people are bad. Well, tell me, what do I do with that? I, I, I'm saved. I can't shake this. What, what do I do? Here's what God's talking about. If you can habitually practice sin and it does not bother you, red flag. Now, like I said, I believe that there's some sins that we'll struggle with uh, till the day that we die, but here's the thing. When you're a believer, when you've been born again and that sin creeps up, Number one, because God has put his spirit in you, there's something there that says, hey, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, sometimes we just mess up and we do it anyway. But praise God, we can't be all right with it. We're, we're not trying to justify and say, well, everybody else struggles with it. Everybody else does this. We're at a point where we're like, oh, I need to come to God. I need to confess this. I need to repent of this. God, forgive me. I did it again. Lord, please change me. How you view that sin. It's not a license to sin by saying, well, you may not, you'll you'll always sin. That's not a license to sin. But praise God, when you sin, it does something in here because you got a new heart. You got a heart of flesh, not stone. See that stony heart, that sin to come in, hit it, and it just bounced right off. But that heart of flesh, that sin comes in, we allow it in. Oh, it just kind of hurts a little bit. It changes us. Guys, do you have that change? Does sin affect you that way? Or are you just like, whatever? Can you allow all kind of stuff? Here's the thing. I know the world that we live in, and sin is coming at us, you know, like from all angles. It's, it's everywhere. And it's so hard to tune it all out. And it's coming, and it's coming, and it's coming, and it's wearing down on us. It's wearing down on us. 
But God says, I will deliver you from that. I will deliver you from that uncleanness. Why? Why would God do that? And you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And listen to this, church. When's the last time you did this? And you will loathe yourself over that sin. This is verse 31. You will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. See, we may sin, but here's the deal, church. If, if we got the goods, if we've truly been born again, and we've, we've taken that first step to discipleship, when you sin, God says you will loathe yourself. Praise God for it, because before that stony heart wouldn't do it. But now that we've got that new heart, we will loathe ourselves. When you slip up, when you mess up, and you sin, and you willingly sin, how does it make you feel? It's a great indicator. Does it lead you toward confession and repentance? Or are you trying to justify it in your own mind and in your own sight? Tommy, hurry up and be done. Good night. He will deliver us. Why does God do this? Why does this do, God do this? I, wanna, I think this is an important make, point to make. He goes on in verse 32, and he says, Not for your sake do I do this. Now, this, uh, this should help give us a good understanding of God. God doesn't make us clean. He doesn't show us the way. He doesn't give us a new heart. He doesn't make us a new creation. He doesn't do all this for our sakes. Church, it's not for our sakes. Whose sake is it for? It's for His sake. Why? Because you, just like the Israelites that He's speaking to here, you say, I know Him. I know him. And just like the Israelites, we will walk around and we will sin and sin and sin and we'll say, I know him. And you know what? It makes God look like a fool. When you live the hypocritical life that turns people away from God and not to him, it makes God look bad. So he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come in and I'm going to truly change some people. And this is the proof that they're truly going to be changed. And these are the people that will carry on my name. It's for my sake that I do this. Because there's nothing good in them. If there's something good in them, praise God, I'm going to put it in there. And so God changes some people. And maybe we call them radical. Maybe we call them fanatical. Maybe they're just born again and you're not. Woo! This is tough. This is tough. I, trust me, I'd, I'd like to come in here and preach something easy. Um, but this is what God put on my heart. Let's go back. Let's go back to Matthew. The end. Hey, we're getting close to the end, guys. I promise. Okay, so he's closing down his sermon on the mount. We're going to be in verse 21, 721. He says, narrow is the gate. Enter the narrow gate. Don't take the broad gate. 
He goes on in 15 through 20, he talks about uh, knowing false prophets and how you know them by their fruits. We're just going to pass on through that. And then he gets to 20, 21. And now keep in mind who he's talking to here. You go all the way back right before the Beatitudes start. And he says, and he sat his disciples down. And he gave the Sermon on the Mount. In modern day, he sat the church down. He sat down in front of a congregation just like this. He sat down in front of people that had been following him and seeing him and going from town to town and, and watching these things just like a church. And listen to what he says in verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. It's the same as him being right here. I'm telling you, saying, church, guys, everybody in this building, not everyone who's in here and says, Lord, Lord, you are here, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone. But they called him Lord. They said, I know you. I know you. Lord, I had perfect attendance at church. I walked all the way down the aisle from the back pew. I said that, I said that prayer probably a hundred times. I was baptized four times. Lord, Lord. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Name? God, look at all this stuff that I did. God, look at all this stuff that I did. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Depart from me, you who are, who are still engaged in sin. Depart from me. I never knew you. You see, what happened was they were standing there before Jesus, and, and what did they say to him? Really look at what they said. They said, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not go to Saturday service days and give up our time? I canceled a fishing trip for that. Did I not give up my Sundays and my Wednesdays? Did I not do this? Did I not do that? What are they talking about? Where are they focused? Catch this, church. They're saying, look what I, I, look what I did. I worked hard for you, Lord. Surely I get in. I, I busted my tail for you, God. And God says, you can't work your way in. It's not about you. It's about me and what I did. What are you putting your faith in? If I come to each one of you, how'd you line up? Are y'all going to be here with me for three days? And everybody come in, and I say, why do you feel that you're going to heaven? What would you say? You say, I go to church, I've been baptized, I said a prayer, I walked an aisle. What would you say? 
Because if it's, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. God, I busted my tail for you. Jesus says, depart. Depart. I never knew you. But I said, I said, I told everybody I know you, God. See, it depends on who knows who. We can say, I know him. But if he doesn't know us, what we know doesn't matter. I heard the example given on this. It's like, let's say I went up to the White House. I was like, hey, I want to see Donnie. Donnie Trump. Let me in. I know him. I know him. You know what they're going to do? They're going to arrest me, probably in a brutal manner. I mean, look at me. I'm going down. But if the president comes out and he says, Hey, 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 Tommy! Tommy! I know him. I know Tommy. Tommy, get over here! I told (laughs) y'all. See, then it matters. If Christ knows us, it matters. The fact that we say and we tell people and we put all these cute little things on Facebook that says, I know him, that don't matter. That don't matter. He's got to know us. And if he knows us, we're different. We are different from the inside out. We are different from the inside out. What are you putting your faith in, people? You see, he said, I don't know them. Just real quick, um, it's okay, we're going to finish this thing. Um, I've done broke a sweat up here, we're finishing. Um, What are you putting your faith in? You see, Judas, we know Judas. And we know what happened to Judas. We know that the Bible says that Judas was a devil the whole time. But what did Judas do? Judas was a lot like people in here. He come in, learned the lingo. He knew the church words. He said the right words. He went to the right places. He went on mission trips. He went, you know, and I know Scott loves to hand out Cokes. Um, He went and handed out Cokes. He was among the people all the time. He sat in here probably on the front row every week. The Bible says he was a devil. I'll be like Judas Church. That's my, that's my prayer and my hope from this message. Don't be like Judas. Don't be like Judas. You see, discipleship begins with being born again. You go from dead to infant. Why are churches not being changed? Why are people not growing by leaps and bounds spiritually? Because we're throwing all this time and trying to disciple lost people. And that can't be done. Where are you at, church? Where are you at? I'm going to... 
going to real quickly just go over how a person comes to Christ. Um, I will say the verses. I'm not going to go back and find them and, and read them out. Uh, we're certainly out of time. What are the steps to becoming a believer? Well, number one, we find out in John 6, 44. If, if you want to know, this would be a good thing for you to write down. Uh, and if you don't and you want them later, uh, see me afterwards. But in 644 of John, we learn that God draws. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father unless the Father comes to me unless the Father calls or draws him there. So once again, it's God's work. God calls you to him. He nudges on your heart and says, hey, you're not crazy. It's real. God calls. John 6, 44. And then upon that, you start to realize a few things. You realize three things. Romans 3, 23, you realize that you're a sinner. Once you start to see God for who he truly is, you start to see yourself for who you truly are, which is wicked. And there's nothing you can do about it. And then you learn in Romans 6, 23, that God has a plan for sinners. And it's death. It's being eternally separated from him in a, in a, in a real, literal place. You know, I'm one of those crazy preachers that thinks hell's real. And that's what God has for sinners. You realize you're a sinner. God has a judgment for sinners. It's death and separation. And number three, you realize that God made a way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then God, he nudges that heart. He turns that hard heart into a heart of flesh. And he says, I made a way, guys made a way for you. And then upon that, 1 John 1, 9, you come to God and you confess. And you say, God, there's no magic words, but in your heart, you confess, God, I am a sinner and the only hope that I have is you. And see, I'm afraid that's where a lot of people stop and we don't do that last step. It's called Repentance. Because if you truly realize these things, you truly realize that you're a sinner, you truly realize that God has a judgment for sinners, and you truly realize that God made a way, you're going to confess that you're a sinner, but then you're also going to repent. That's changing your mind about the way that you've lived before. You change your mind about everything sin is not the same it may draw me but I changed my mind about its value I changed my mind or God changes my mind about it I'm going to go ahead and read 2 Corinthians 17, it says, For godly sorrow produces repentance. Godly sorrow. It's not, 
oh man, my parents caught me having sex. I need to go and get saved. It's not, oh man, this happened and, and it leads me to this. It's godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world, well, that produces death. Do you have a true, godly, sorrowful heart over your sin condition? And if you repent from that, then I can gladly say, if that's been your heart, then God has made you new. And let me tell you something about confession and repentance. You don't come down here, walk an aisle, go back, do it at your living room, wherever. You don't do that one time. A true believer lives a life of confession and repentance. If you're banking on, well, I confessed and repented back in 1978, and I'm all right since then, you're a liar, and the truth is not in you. If God did something to you in 78 and he's still working on you, praise God, but you don't look nothing like you did then, well, then you might have hope. This has been a hard word, church. You see, you go back to Ezekiel. If God knows you, you can't stay the same. That's part of discipleship. You can't stay the same church. You can't still hate people. You can't still enjoy sin the same way. Something changes. So we end as the band comes up. I want to ask two questions. Before I ask those two questions... I want everybody to just close your eyes and just let what the Word of God has said today just kind of sink in and settle. And I want you to ask yourself, what does this have to do with me? Where am I at? Let me pray. God, you are a good God. God, you, you made a way for us. God, my, my, my hope and prayer is that, Lord, we truly examine what are we putting our faith in today. God, what are we doing? God, I pray, Lord, that you speak to hearts here today, Lord. Not because anything I said, Lord, but because your word is true. Your Bible tells us that, that faith comes by hearing the word of God, Lord, and I believe that the word of God has been spoken today. God, lead everyone in here toward what you would have them to do. God, just be God. this in Christ's name. Church, have you been made new?
can you say without a doubt, you are a new creation? The invitation is simple. If you guys would stand up with me as we're closing this thing down. Um, the invitation is simple. The altar's open. If God's revealed something to you today, the altar's open. Maybe God's revealed to you that you know somebody who doesn't get it. They're so engaged in sin, but they say, I know him. But God's word today has told you that they're a liar. Come pray for them. Maybe God's word has shown you that you are a liar. The truth is not in you. Come down here. I love to go right through what scripture says. Don't be like Judas. Don't go to the right places, say the right things, have the right thing on your social media. Look like something. And it all be an act. Are you a new creation? Do you know him? Respond however you feel you need to, church. With fear and trembling, examine your salvation. Examine your sanctification, God's work in you with fear and trembling. If anybody needs to speak to me, if, if you're confused, if you've got doubt, don't leave it there. You know what? If you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that, that you don't know that, that this hadn't taken place in your life, I'd love to talk to you about it. Where are you at, church?